continue the study we've been doing on Wednesday nights on how believers profit from a belief in the sovereignty of God. Believing that God is in control of everything, that God has appointed all things, that God Almighty works all things after the counsel of His own will, that He makes no mistakes, and we need to believe these things. And not only believe them with our heads, intellectually, but actually live them out on a daily basis. I want you to look in your Bibles tonight to Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. Now, in this chapter, the Lord instituted the Lord's Supper, where He gives them the emblems of unleavened bread and wine, and He tells them to do it in remembrance of Him. And He explains to them that it represents His blood that would be shed for sinners. The wine would represent His blood and the bread His body. And what He is explaining to them is, I'm going to die. I am going to be crucified. Then I'm going to be buried. I'm going to raise again. And one day, and after that, I'm going to ascend into heaven to the Father's right hand to make intercession for God's people. And while I'm away as a, as a church of the Lord Jesus Christ, because that's who He was addressing, He said, He instituted the Lord's Supper and said, This do in remembrance of Me. And then if you read on in the passage, he rebukes Peter uh, because he said, Satan hath desired you to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. And he explains to Peter that it's, it's, he is going to deny the Lord. He is going to deny Him. Now in this very same passage, he also makes the disciples aware of the fact that Judas Iscariot, one of their own, is going to betray him. How did Jesus know all these things? Well, he's God. You know, he he was with the Father. He's he issued the decrees that come to pass, all things appointed. He was God manifest in the flesh. He knew what was approaching. Every step that, that Jesus Christ, God, the God-man, all God, all man, and one person, the only one qualified to save sinners, every step He took was one of complete knowledge of what, what was ahead. And yet at the same time, he also 
walked in submission to the will of the Father. Always submitting to the will of the Father as He walked in the flesh. That amazes me. He, better than every than anyone, understood the magnitude of the sovereignty of God and the sufferings and the agony and the wrath that He would have to endure. He understood all of that before it ever happened and yet He had a spirit of submission and resignation. I've always marveled at that. That our sovereign Lord submitted Himself to the sovereign will of God, knowing full well that He was going to have to go to the cross, that He was going to have to bear the sins of all of His people, all those sins heaped upon Him, all of the wrath that was due each and every one, He would have to suffer. And He was able to say, not my will, but thine be done. I want to pick up there, if you look at Luke 22, because a lot of times, folks, we question God's sovereign appointments. Now, we don't know what's going to be in the future. We trust God that He'll work everything for His good, for, for our good and His glory. We trust Him with that. But Jesus knew everything that was going to happen. And he, he did not have an ounce of rebellion against the sovereignty of God. But rather, complete submission. Luke 22 and verse 39, And He came out and went as He was wont to the Mount of Olives, and His disciples also followed Him. I think also... There's a key in this passage. If you want to better understand the sovereignty of God, why God does what He does, why the appointments have come in your life, perhaps maybe there's a dark chapter of providence that's written into your life. A valley, a trial, a furnace. You know where Jesus went to before His Greatest hour of crisis. Prayer. He went to pray to his, to his Father. And he says in verse 40, And when he was at the place, he said unto them, Pray that ye enter not into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast, and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if Thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but Thine be done. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him, and, and being in agony, 
He prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose up from prayer and was come to his disciples, he found them sleeping for sorrow. And said unto them, Why sleep ye? Rise and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. As I thought about this passage, and there's a parallel passage in the Gospel of Matthew and also in Mark, where you find Jesus Christ saying, Not my will, but thine be done. Father, if, it, if, if you're willing, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but thine be done. Absolute, complete submission and surrender to what the Father had divinely, sovereignly appointed. What an example for us. You and I will never face what He faced. We're talking about the weight of all His people's sins. The the sin debt being laid upon Him. You will never have to deal with that. So in relation to that, we ought to draw strength from the example of Christ. That in, humanly speaking, His greatest hour of crisis, He was able to say with sweet resignation, not my will, but thine be done. Will you get a hold of that? The next time a trial enters into your life and you realize, as I've said many times, there are no surprises with God. There are no accidents. Things don't just happen by accident. Whatever it is that you're facing, God has ordained it. God has appointed it. In fact, the Bible says in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, He told the, Thess- the church at Thessalonica that we are appoint- these afflictions, we've been appointed unto them. And when you understand that, you have a, you'll be able to better say, Lord, not my will, but thine be done. As you're praying about your situation, your trial, your affliction. If you can grasp this, you won't have an ounce of resentment in your life. You won't be bitter about your circumstances. If you can learn to resign and submit yourself to the sovereign will of God, no matter what it takes, you will live a life of peace and joy and thanksgiving and victory. And that's true of our Lord Jesus Christ. He was victorious over all. You see, I believe this attitude of submission is the key. One of the the great keys to spiritual growth 
to peace and happiness. Why do people get bitter about their circumstances? Why do people complain and groan and bellyache? Because they are not satisfied with God. They're not satisfied with the the lot that He has appointed them. And they they complain and they, they rebel. And the fact of the matter is, everything that comes your way, it's before the world began, if there was a reviewing stand, God reviewed what, whatever's come into your life. He said, it's for their good and my glory. And He stamped His seal upon it. And He sent it your way. He sent it my way. And it does us absolutely no good to rebel. Does no good. Doesn't do us any good. We should not get bitter about circumstances and trials and afflictions. Even though that's part of our human nature. But if we can remember how our Lord reacted. How He submitted Himself to the will of the Father. Without complaint. Without any reservation. Now He did in His humanity. Think about this. In His humanity, He was about to endure what no other man will ever endure. Think about this. Lost sinners will only suffer for their individual sins. Jesus in His humanity and in His Godhood knew that He was not going to suffer for any sins of His own, but He was about to suffer for multitudes of sinners. Scattered all over the world, throughout human history, the immense weight of their sin, was about to be laid upon Him. And He was able to say, Father, if in my humanity, if it's Your will, let this pass from Me. But if it's not Your will, in His humanity, He's praying this, not My will, but Thine be done. And the next thing you know, it's as if He's taken that cup of wrath And he's drinking damnation dry. In complete submission. That ought to, that in and of its, that ought to cheer your heart. And all that we would be more like Christ. When we face what we feel. Our immense crisis. Crises in our life. Because I think it's a key to real happiness and contentment. When you can say every day, not my will, but thine be done. Isn't that the essence of real discipleship? Isn't that what it means to take up your cross and follow Him? To die to self-will and your desires and to be able to free yourself to say, Lord, whatever you've appointed, I embrace it, I believe it, 
and I am content with what is best for my life. Oh, but what a, what a breaking has to happen to be able to get to this place. God has to break us. He has to prune us. Like a diamond, He has to, he has to polish and sand us. Like, a, like an oyster, there's got to be that irritation to make the pearl. And oftentimes, that's the affliction that God brings. And the trial in order to glorify Him. I think of someone I believe personified this attitude, maybe more than anyone in the New Testament. And it's how, he, how his Christian life started. And it was the guy formerly known as Saul of Tarsus. The very... His conversion experience started with these words. Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Complete submission. When just a day before he was in complete rebellion, God changed him so thoroughly that when he is in the Philippian jail, in a dark, damp, roach-infested, rat-infested jail, listen to his language. This is submission. Turn over with me to Philippians chapter 3. And he says, he first he explains what he was formerly. He was a Pharisee. He was exalted. He was a man of wealth and knowledge, revered, respected among the Jewish, his Jewish counterparts. But listen to this attitude of submission. To God's sovereignty and the surrender that's in his life. He says in verse 7, But though but what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in Him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being made conformable unto His death. It's as if He is saying, I am ready, willing to submit to everything, even the loss of all things. 
that I might identify with my Lord and His sufferings. That's, that's, that He embraced this attitude of submission to the sovereignty of God. He says in verse 14, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. When you can accept God's sovereign will and embrace it and resign yourself to it, come what may, then you're going to be able to completely surrender and press toward the mark. And isn't that what we should be doing? Being more like Christ? You know, I thought about people in the Bible. Paul, I think, uh, had, a, had a great testimony. But then I, I think about Aaron. Uh, turn back to Leviticus chapter 10. I always thought this was God had worked a great deal in the life of Aaron, the, the brother of Moses. If you go back to Leviticus chapter 10, I want to show you his attitude of resignation and submission to, to a very extremely difficult thing that had happened, that he had witnessed with his own eyes. It says in Leviticus chapter 10, verse 1, And Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them his censer, and put fire therein, and put incense therein, and offered strange fire before the Lord, which He commanded them not. I don't doubt their sincerity. In their heart, they probably thought they were doing something right and noble. But it was strange fire. It was something God did not command. And you cannot mess with what God has ordained. And they were offering strange fire before the Lord. They, there's a wrong way to do things. And they, were, they exemplify the wrong way of doing something. Even if they were sincere about they, what they were doing, they were dead wrong and it cost them their life. And look what it says in verse 2. I'm telling you, our God is a consuming fire. He is holy and righteous. And He's very particular. You just can't do your own thing. You've got to do things God's way. And it says in verse 2, and there went out fire from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. Then Moses said unto Aaron, This is it that the Lord spake, saying, I will be sanctified in them that come nigh me, 
and before all the people I will be glorified. And this blessed my heart. And Aaron held his peace. Submission to the sovereign work of God even in the judgment of his two sons. He held his peace. He didn't complain. He said, not my will, but thine be done. And may God be glorified. One more. Turn over to 2 Samuel chapter 15. You see, when you start getting into the depths of what it means to really believe in the sovereignty of God, it means you've got to completely believe in God's ways. And that He has ordained it. 2 Samuel chapter 15. And look at verse 25. Yeah, I might have the wrong verse here. Let's read 25. And the king said unto Zadok, Carry back the ark of God into the city. If I shall find favor in the eyes of the Lord, he will bring me again and show me both it and his habitation. But if he thus say, I have no delight in thee, behold, here am I. Let him do to me as seemeth good unto him. Can you have that attitude? Let him do to me as seemeth good to him. Now you talk about somebody that went through some rough waters. It was David. And he said, let him do to me as seemeth good unto him. Can we submit ourselves to God with that attitude? Let Him do with me whatever He deems fit. Whatever His will is for my life, I'm ready to be completely submitted to it. These are hard sayings. Because all of us have met with disappointment and trials and great sorrow. And we have to realize God has a purpose in it all. And we've got to trust Him through it. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. 
and lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. And Lord, give me grace to have this attitude. Do to me what seems good in your sight. Bring into my life whatever is good in your sight. Lord, help me to be like Jesus. Be able to say, not my will, but thine be done. Let's all stand. We'll close in prayer tonight.